Thank you for listening to our podcast. My name is Lucas. And I'm Chiara. Welcome to Food of the Future, a podcast about alternative protein sources made by five honor students of Wageningen University and Research. Hey there again. This time we're going to talk about really exciting food, insects. First, we're going to introduce you briefly to this topic, and later we will have a very interesting interview with research and development and quality manager at Berks Foods, Saskia Leopold. So when you mention insects as food, which insects are we mainly talking about? Well, globally, around 2 billion people eat insects daily, and it is estimated that people eat 1,000 to 2,000 different species of insects. However, in the Western market, there's a focus on only seven insect species for human consumption and industrial production. And these species are mealworms, buffalo worms, house crickets, tropical house crickets, European migratory locusts, black soldier fry, and housefly. Can you explain to our listeners why did we choose to research insects as food? Insects as food seem to be a very popular idea, but recently it is getting less attention. We were curious to see where this in the industry stands, what problems they are facing, and what could be done to solve them. Speaking of nutrition of insects, how healthy are they? Well, insects are surprisingly nutritious. For instance, crickets contain 14% of protein and 3% of fiber, while only 5% of fat, of which most is unsaturated. In addition, most insects contain vitamins such as vitamin B12, vitamin A, and essential minerals. Interestingly, locusts contain up to three times as much iron as beef. Although the nutritional value of different species vary a lot, in general, larvae are usually high in fat, but also high in protein, while adult insects contain significantly less fat on dry basis. All in all, insects are rich in protein, fiber, vitamins, minerals, antioxidants, and omega-3 and 6 fatty acids. That's why they might actually have health benefits of decreased chronic diseases like cancer, cardiovascular disease, and better immune function. Are there any risks in eating insects? In general, the risk will depend on the insect species, life stage of the insect upon harvest, and also the feed given. Some species have an ability to accumulate some heavy metals, and that's why the feed should be selected carefully, which is why the EFSA actually strictly regulate the feed given to the insects. Also, some anti-nutritional compounds, which are compounds which limit absorption of certain nutrients to our body, can actually be present in insects but they are not very well researched yet. In addition, insects can also show allergic reaction to some people who are also allergic to crustaceans. Insects are commonly eaten in certain parts of the world, but why don't we see them often in Western grocery stores? We believe that insect-based products are not commonly found in our grocery stores because of the rather low consumer acceptance. Does legislation stand in the way of seeing insect food products in the market? Well, legislation is actually not a problem anymore for insect products. Because some insect species, even though not all of them, have been approved by the European Food Safety Authority to be safe for human consumption. Well, so far, three insect species have been approved in 2021, which are yellow millworm, migratory locusts, and house crickets. Consumers are unwilling to change their preferences or habits most of the time. How do consumers, in especially in Western countries, react to insects as food? For consumers in Western countries, it has been shown in a lot of studies that discuss is the main factor why the willingness to try insect is still low. It will take some time before insect-based products can be incorporated into the Western diet, just like how people across Asia, Africa, and Latin America consume insects as part of their diet. Increase in awareness and knowledge of the benefits of consuming insects have been shown to have a positive impact 
on the acceptance of insect-based food. But this itself is not enough. To encourage people to repeat consumption of insect-based food, the, the taste, price, and availability of the insect-based food products should also be in the favor of the consumers. Do you think it depends on how the insects are processed? Yes, totally. Consumers are actually more willing to try insect-based products when the insects are not visible to avoid triggering any negative associations. We know that most plant-based products are more sustainable than animal products, but how do insects compare? Insects are thought to be a more sustainable food option because of several reasons. The first of all, insects can be grown on organic side streams that is not consumable by human or other animals. Secondly, insect has high feed conversion ratio, which means that they are more effective at converting feed into nutrients or edible food. This translates to lower greenhouse gas emissions required to grow insects, because less resources are put into producing the required feed. Moreover, insect production requires less water and land. But insect production is energy intensive. This is because they are not able to regulate their own body temperature. Thus, the external temperature must be maintained to be optimal to support their growth, resulting in high energy consumption. The energy consumption for growing insect is higher than that for chicken, similar to pork, and lower than that for beef. So when all aspects such as the greenhouse gas emission, energy use, and land use are taken into account, environmental impact of insect-based food products will be lower or similar to that of chicken, but higher than plant-based meat substitutes. Now, as we know a little bit more about insects as food, we can dive deeper into this topic together and have a chat with R&D and quality manager at Berks Foods, Saskia. Hello, so today we have a very special guest with us, Saskia from Berks Food. And Berks Food is a startup company specializes in processing food products for human consumption from crickets and grasshoppers. Hi, Saskia. It's very nice to have you here on our podcast. And I would like to ask you, could you maybe elaborate more on your company and what your company focuses on? Hi, yes. Thanks for inviting me first. Um, yeah, I'm from uh, Burst Foods. That's, well, we're a startup company and we're specialized on the processing of insects. And we're making, or the main focus is that we're making products that are sort of resembling meat. So well-known products as a meat um, or yeah, insect burger or um, insect meatball, those kind of things. And um, yeah, we have, well, we sell the products sort of under our brand name, which is called the Grekerei. If you would translate it to English, it would be something like the Grekerei. And um, that's also the name that's probably more known by people if people have heard of us. And do you maybe also provide to a private level labels, such as like a business to business company? We do offer services to third parties. So um, we do some processing for other companies, just like um, drying whole insects um, or making insect flour that those companies then process further in their own products or use for other uses. But we don't make products yet or like a whole final products yet for other under other names or for other parties okay that sounds great and like i also have a question like why did you especially choose to breed grasshoppers and crickets um yeah we use grasshoppers and crickets actually for one very simple reason and that's the taste there um well there are just a certain amount of insects allowed to use in the eu so far 
and uh, grasshoppers and crickets are one of those and they have a, or seem to have a much better taste than um, for example mealworms so it's much easier to work with them and actually get a great taste also for the final product without using too much spices and uh, yeah, flavors to actually create a good taste. Does it also about the nutritional property of the grasshopper and crickets as well? Or is it mainly um, about the taste? Well, the nutritional properties, I think, of most insects are good. They do differ a lot, but also within the species itself. So that was not necessarily the main reason to choose the crickets and grasshoppers. Another reason is also um, that the consumer perception is much better for crickets and grasshoppers because while well, it's uh, at least an, a sort of animal that you maybe even remember from your childhood being out in the well in the grass and you were catching a grasshopper and it's it does look like a nice animal compared to a mealworm which is um, rather bad yeah seen. Okay, thank you so much for the insight. And we also would like to know about more about the farming of the insects. We understand that your company mainly focuses on the processing of the insects itself, but do you maybe know how like the other companies actually farm the insects and whether the farming is actually automated or more about like manual labor? Um, we do have uh, yeah, some farmers and we actually do have quite close contact with our farmers because we want to keep the um, yeah, food chains transparent, especially at this state of the yeah, development of the insect sector. So um, yeah, the, the farming works normally that we have the adult, um, let's say grasshoppers or the adult animals. They lay eggs, so the eggs are taken away from the adult grasshoppers, and um, yeah, you have let's say sort of the farming sort of containers or boxes where the eggs are then hatched until they're um, reaching the nymph uh, state and then yeah by feeding them you they're growing up and at some point they're ready to be harvested and yeah so at this point it's not very automated but it's also not well i think it's rather hard to automate it uh, in a certain way but it's the process is standardized, so the the feed is very much controlled, and the, the temperature and all the um, yeah the environment, and then in the end it's yeah more like farming as in giving them food and uh, water. So there's I think at this stage or at this size of the farms the automation would be as and too still far. regarding about insect breeding, what we understand is that. Um, it is quite energy intensive for the heating, so to be able to actually maintain the temperature. But how do how do you ensure that this aspect of the insect breeding is actually as as sustainable as possible? Yeah, the energy is indeed, or yeah, the heat that the insects need to grow is indeed one of the factors that does make it less uh, sustainable. Even though you still have to maybe mention that it's still not less sustainable than for, let's say, beef. But um, yeah, there, so at the certain stage of the development for insect farming, there's uh, 
yeah, the, the main focus is for now is to um, have the, a big part of the energy from renewable sources. Our um, grasshopper farmer, for example, uses mostly energy from solar panels. Um, but there is for sure potential for the future also to improve that aspect more. For example, using some um, residual heat from well, big server farms is an, yeah, a solution that could be applied there. But that's also is a bit, uh, then you need to keep in mind then the location is it close to a server farm or are there maybe other places that uh, have residual heat that they don't use themselves. But there are, um, yeah, ideas like this. It's just now in this day, it's not, um, yeah, widely done yet. So from one from what I understand, it is possible, but it hasn't been done yet on a commercial scale. Yes, it's um, yeah, it's a fast moving sector, but it's also still in the beginning. So for now, it's already very sustainable in the way it is done now, and there is always room to improve. But the focus was um, up until now more on actually being able to provide the grasshoppers in a good quality um, which will then ensure that this can be a product that will be sold on the market and then the next step is making the a working system more sustainable okay that sounds really great and that you have like future plans of like making it more sustainable and we also read from your website that you actually use residual waste from horticulture as the insect feed. Are there maybe any other sources that you can use as feed, for example, from food waste, from the restaurants and the grocery stores? Um, well, in general, to feed insects, you can use whatever plant-based stream you have. They're not very picky. Um, yeah, in practice, it's a bit trickier. There's like for, for the first reason is the taste. Insects um, change, or the taste of insects changes a lot according to the feed you give them. So we did uh, quite some research on that and uh, to find the ideal feed composition to also get a great taste. And again, that's uh, one of our main focus points as a company that we don't just want to provide um, healthy products with insect in it, but we actually want to yeah, convince the customer by creating a great taste. So um, for that part, it's a bit tricky to also use the waste streams of restaurants and um, supermarkets because it's not very standardized. You'd never know what's um, left uh, over. And the second reason for that is also legislation. It's a bit the same as in, yeah, if you uh, well holding uh, or farming pigs and cows, you can't really feed them on on the waste streams of restaurants because it's not very it's not standardized, and you also don't have the speci specifications what's in the feed, which is necessary if you wanna eat the meat of that animal. So um, yeah, it would be very hard to analyze and specify every batch of feed you would get. So in theory, it's possible, but then there are some issues that make it harder. So I guess in practice, 
it is the legisla- legislation problems that actually hinder the whole process of using maybe food waste from the restaurants, as I understand. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, but then on the other hand, also the parts we use from horticulture are um, streams that are not readily available to eat for uh, yeah for humans. Okay, thank you for your answer, and maybe we can move on more about the consumer behavior of and consumer acceptance for insect as food. Yeah. And like in your opinion, how difficult is it to actually reach a national or global market with such a product? For yeah, for example, to reach like a big grocery store's shelves. Um, yeah, the I think the main challenge for actually growing big and going to the big supermarkets is still the consumer percep- uh, yeah, perception. Because big supermarkets only sell or like offer on their shelves what they also see being sold. Um, so that's a big issue to be overcome. And um, we're working very, uh, a lot on that by creating products that are also tasteful and nutritious and not um, just focusing on that sustainable um, alternative protein. Um, so that's... Um, Yeah, one of the bigger parts. Uh, Secondly, I think it's also that the supply chain and the the processing facilities and everything is still quite small compared to other food sectors. So also the the processing and the bigger scale that you could actually provide to a big supermarket chain is still to be developed or it's under development actually. But so we believe that we will uh, be able to reached the um, supermarket shelves uh, yeah long term but there are some challenges to to achieve that like as currently do you actually sell your products mainly online or maybe to a small supermarkets um yeah we do sell the products via small supermarkets um we also sell it via for example the Um, yeah gorillas is one of the fast delivery supermarkets or online supermarkets that you can order from Um, and another big part of our products goes to restaurants for example or catering institutions so yeah the the channels are quite diverse that we're using but in terms of um, consumer acceptance how do how do you think like people perceive insects as food and how are you going to try them to actually be able to accept insect more than how it is now? Yeah. Um, yeah, what we saw also already in the beginning of the company is that people just don't want to see the insect because in uh, yeah, in the Western culture, it is not really, yeah, people are not used to having or seeing an insect, eating an insect. So... That's basically the concept of our company is we don't show the whole insect, but we process the insect. You don't see any, yeah, any feet or heads or any parts of the insect in the product. Um, so I think that's the one of the more successful strategies is to process the insect into a product that is 
quite well known. So you only use one novelty thing. So it's made of insect, but it's still a burger. So everyone knows a burger and most people like it or at least know how to prepare it. And um, yeah, so that's the one thing. I think the second thing to change uh, the perception is by also, yeah, you have to be very strong in the communication to consumers about other aspects as the nutritional aspects and um, also the sustainability aspect to yeah, show people, okay, this is an option. It's uh, being done by many other cultures and it could be a normal thing. Plus you have some advantages if you compare it to traditional forms of meat or compared, compared to plant-based proteins. I think that is a very brilliant idea to actually approach people and gen- and the general public. And like so far, what has what is the biggest challenge that you guys face in like breeding, processing, and selling insect food products? Mm, yeah, I think it's uh, again like one of the biggest challenges is the consumer perception because we can make great products, um, but if people don't want to eat it because they contain insects, then this doesn't work so that's one of the big challenges we try to overcome with good communication making actually tasteful nutritious products um and yeah the other challenges i think are for the processing is really that the current state of the yeah of the production or processing options is not used yet for insects so there are no technologies that are specifically designed or adjusted for the processing of insects. So what we do there is, yeah, we talk a lot to or do tests with research institutes. We talk to machine producers. Um, but in the end, it's also a lot of trial and error because it just hasn't been done before. And you can do a lot of assumptions with yeah professionals uh, that really know their technologies but also they don't know so in the end we just have to try it out so scaling up the production of insect is actually a problem as well because you can't automate the production of insect as of currently right if um it is uh, i think it's not really a problem it's more of a challenge i would say so it's definitely harder to scale it up compared to yeah, more, let's say, well-known products that we produce in the Netherlands. But I think it's doable by uh, just adjusting the existing technologies or being creative and finding new ways. And there is also a lot of research done in universities and institutes. So I'm, uh, I'm hopeful that this will not be a big uh, problem, but rather a challenge to overcome. Okay, that sounds awesome. And I think to wrap up the whole interview and podcast, um, one last question is, what do you think the food of the future will be like? Can it maybe be insects? Um, well, I don't think there's one food for of the future or one solution for the whole problem. I think, well, at some point, or we need to solve the problem that we need to feed the whole world with um, also with um, protein, I think. And uh, in the same way, not using too many resources for that. So I, I really believe that insects are a part of the solution. 
and I believe that at some point it will be normal to on a weekly basis also include insects to our diets but I also think that the future of foods will contain other types of let's say plant-based protein sources like um, pulses or seaweed for example or um, yeah another I think also very interesting or potential uh, solution would be lab-grown meat those uh, these kind of things so I, I think we should all just work together and provide many different solutions to provide more alternative proteins okay Thank you very much, Saskia, for joining us. Yeah. And I hope all the best for your company. And see you. Yeah, thank you for inviting me. From this episode, we have learned that grasshopper and crickets are chosen out of the three species that have been approved by EFSA, mainly because of their taste. Taste is a very important parameter to increase the consumer acceptance of insect-based food products which is quite low in the Western markets. Moreover, the consumer perception of these two species is better as compared to, for example, mealworms, which seems more off-putting to the consumers. Another advantage of insect-based food products is its sustainability as compared to the conventional meat and also plant-based food products. But the intensive energy consumption required to grow insects makes insect production less sustainable. Hence, the focus of producing insect is now on the use of renewable resources to provide the energy needed. The challenges of getting insect-based products into big supermarkets were also discussed in the podcast, and it is mainly caused by two reasons. The first reason is because of the limited capacity of the processing facilities as compared to other food sectors. And secondly, it is because of the low demand for the products because of low consumer acceptance. And to gain consumer support, it is important that insect products are not only sustainable, but also nutritious and most importantly, tasty. From Burke's food, we have learned that consumers find it unappetizing when they can see the insect or the body parts of the insect in their food. Hence, it is very wise to process the insects so that the consumers will not be able to see the insects itself. Thank you for listening to the Food of the Future podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and you would like to help support novel and creative food sources, please share it with others. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.